It's unnecessary roughness. You have been here day one. You guys are so amazing. Listen to me. We've been waiting six long years for this guy to be MVP. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Welcome back. Welcome in. It is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari holding it down in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio as I'm holding it down at the home studio on this Monday, Juneteenth. Hopefully everyone had a really good Father's Day, was able to get some R&R, a little rest and relaxation, and also uh, spend the day with your family, your loved ones, and uh, maybe have a nice dinner, uh, maybe share some gifts, or maybe just hang out and say, hey, Love you, Pops, right? Whatever the case may be, hopefully everyone had a great weekend. I know we had a really good weekend here in Las Vegas with everything going on with the Vegas Golden Knights and the phenomenal parade that they had on Saturday uh, that wound up at, uh, at at the Toshiba Plaza. Just a fantastic job by all. And so want to shout out to not only Las Vegas, but everyone in Las Vegas that uh, took part in that and really enjoyed uh, what looked like, what, 100,000 folks? It looked like New Year's Eve, but it was June. <laughs> so uh, big ups to uh, big ups to anyone who made their way to the parade. I did not. Myself and the wife decided we were going to stick around the house. Uh, I did a little radio show until about 5 o'clock, and I thought, yeah, you know what? The roads are, are uh, pretty much closed down there on the Strip, so I'm going to go ahead and watch it from a distance. And I thought the TV stations did the best job they could as well covering the, uh, the parade. There was a, a lot of chaos going on, but it was controlled chaos, as all championship parades are. So, again, salute to the city of Las Vegas. Salute to the Vegas Golden Knights. But coming up on today's show, very excited about everything that we have coming up on the show today. Uh, got a lot of really good guests and uh, got some good conversation for you. The Raider Nation will definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Starting us off at 2.30, our good friend Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ, who's been on Golden Knights Watch for the longest, ever since the playoffs really got started. He'll join us. He'll talk about the parade, what it meant to the city of Las Vegas, but then we'll also get into some Raiders conversation as right now they're in between mandatory minicamp and OTAs and the start of training camp. So there's about a five-and-a-half, six-week little gap that they're going to have before there's any activities going on. But that does not mean the storylines end when it comes to the silver and black. So coming up at 2.30, we'll talk to our good friend Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas, and the Review Journal. Then at 3 o'clock, Theo Ash from the Stay Hot Podcast. Uh, he covers all things NFL. is going to join the show, and he's going to talk about Tyler Hall. Tyler Hall is a guy that all of a sudden a lot of folks are talking about. Uh, we had our good friend from Pro Football Focus on the show on Friday when we were out at the Sahara. And shout out to everyone who came out to the Sahara, by the way. Everyone who came out to the, the pool area, the Alizo uh, Ultra Pool, was fantastic, phenomenal. We had such a good time out there. So big ups to everyone who came out and closed out the week really strong uh, at the Sahara Las Vegas. And please believe that will not be the last time we're out there. But we talked to our good friend from, on Pro Football Focus about Tyler Hall for the Raiders on Friday. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing his name pop up a lot. I'm hearing his name talk about a lot. I talked about his name quite a bit over the course of the weekend on Sunday on Father's Day. As a matter of fact, I did a Bleacher Report live stream. It was the first time I'd ever done that, but they hit me up and was like, hey, could you do a, a, a live stream for us? And I really didn't know what it was all about, but I thought, well, 
You're just asking me to talk for 30 minutes. That's what I know how to do. So, sure, no problem. So when I penciled it in on my calendar that I was going to do it, just they had told me, uh, uh, you know, um, June 18th. So I was like, all right, no big deal. And then as soon as I told the wife that it was June 18th, she was like, you do know that that's Father's Day, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, my bad. But, I mean, what else would I do than work on Father's Day? So that's what I did. And part of the conversation was, under the radar Raiders, like some guys that you're thinking about under the radar. And Tyler Hall is one of my guys that is under the radar. Matter of fact, we'll talk about under the radar players here on the show this afternoon as well. Would love to get the feedback from you on under the radar Raiders right now, as it currently stands with the 91 man roster that they have with the international player being the 91st player, but doesn't uh, count against the current roster. So uh, Theo Ash, to make a long story short from stay hot pod tweeted out and I saw it yesterday and he said, man, Tyler Hall is nice. And then Max Crosby said, ice cold. He quote tweeted and said, ice cold. And I thought, okay, this guy, Tyler Hall, is getting a lot of people's attention. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like, you know, I discovered Tyler Hall. I did not, right? I just knew that during the course of the season when he was playing and was playing in a limited amount of snaps, you would always see him around the ball. And I said it many times. I even said it on the podcast today. Like, anytime I saw 37, I was like, who the hell's 37? Right. And the one number that's or the one guy that always stands out to me when you think of number 37, at least for me, was always James Trapp, old school James Trapp. And I knew damn well it wasn't old school James Trapp out there, but it was Tyler Hall. So he's starting to get a lot of attention. He's a a guy that I said is flying under the radar. But hell, by the time training camp comes up, maybe he's not flying under the radar. Maybe everybody's going to be talking about him. But man, as we talked on Friday with Pro Football Focus, if this guy can all of a sudden be a big time player for the Raiders and really hold down the slot corner position, the Raiders secondary may be, may be onto something, right? Of course, they went and selected Ja'Korian Bennett in the fourth round out of Maryland. Everyone's expecting him to be a pretty good player, but he's got to go out there and prove it, obviously. Nate Hobbs, expecting him to come back healthy. Of course, they went out and got Duke Shelley. They brought back Brandon Faison. I mean, they have guys, right? They have dudes in, in, the, in the, that cornerback room that could all of a sudden make that secondary look like, instead of being a big question mark, it could be one of the strengths of the team. Obviously, you need to have the defensive line work with it as well. Uh, those two units work together really, really well. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Hall started to get a lot of attention. So Theo Ash from the Stay Hot podcast, uh, he's going to join us at 3 o'clock and talk about what stood out to him about Tyler Hall. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. We just had a late addition to the show as well. Shereen Williams, our good friend from Pro Football Talk, the Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, when a Hall of Famer hits you up last minute, it was like, yeah, hey, I can come on the show today. You don't say no. <laughs> right. It's just like her and John McClain are two of the two of the people that I respect the most when it comes to coverage of the NFL. Both Hall of Famers been there, done that. You know, they're they're fantastic people in general. Uh, so Shereen Williams is a great person and does a great job covering the NFL. So we'll scatter shoot with Shereen at three thirty. All things NFL. Again, a great addition to the show, having the Hall of Famer. Then at four o'clock, Flex, Flex from Jersey. That's his name, Flex from Jersey, right? He's a coast-to-coast podcast, 98.7 Suns postgame show. He covers all things Phoenix Suns. And you may have heard, well, the NBA is kind of a big deal right now. The NBA offseason is, I think it's better than any other offseason in pro sports. I really do. I mean, it's just that simple because the NBA offseason, it's always something exciting. There's always something going on with the NBA offseason. There's a lot of trades going on, and that's what happened. It was became I don't want to say 100% official, but it's just about a done deal records as far as um, the the Phoenix Suns and also the Washington Wizards sending Bradley Beal to Phoenix. And Chris Paul is on his way to Washington. It looks like he's probably going to end up getting bought out there, and he'll end up in L.A., not with the Lakers, but with the Clippers. Or maybe some other team will jump in and play a role. Who knows? But 
it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time. Of course, the draft is coming up on Thursday, so if there's going to be some moving and shaking, we've been covering the NBA quite a bit here on Unnecessary Roughness, as we know that there's a lot of action that's going to be going on leading up to the draft. And then after the draft, you have free agency. So Flex from Jersey, Coast to Coast podcast, 98.7 Suns postgame show. He'll join us to talk about the addition of Bradley Beal and what that means for the Phoenix Suns. And I'll say this, Ari, I don't know if that is, a, is, a, is, is a, the one, the move that seals the deal for the Suns. I look at what they gave up for Kevin Durant. They gave up a lot. They lost a lot of their depth. Then I saw what they gave up for Bradley Beal, and they gave up a lot. And they lost a lot more depth, and they don't really have a lot of depth. So I'm wondering, like, are they sure that this is the right move for them? So that's going to be one of the big questions. Is this going to be enough? Are they going to have to anticipate another move? Is DeAndre Ayton on the move, right? I mean, what's going to happen? How are they going to solidify this roster? Because I'll tell you right now, looking at it on paper, and again, it's just on paper, I don't see it being the, the, the move that's the end-all, be-all that's going to put Phoenix over the top. But that, again, is just me. We'll talk to our guy Flex coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Then it would only be right to close things out with Ryan Wallace, uh, the Ryan the hockey guy. He's actually on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show. Him and Darren Millard were really the, the soundtrack to the whole season for the Golden Knights that led up to a Stanley Cup Finals appearance, and not only an appearance, but a win at championship and uh, keeping it, keeping the Stanley Cup right here in Vegas. And Ryan was actually in the parade. Him and Darren were bo- both in the parade on Saturday. So I want to talk to to Ryan about his experience. You know, being in the parade, being on the bus with the players. Like we were gonna, we had this big plan to kind of have all of our stations, po- uh, you know, like posted up all over the the route of the the parade, and we were gonna do broadcasting here, and we were gonna pitch it to this guy, and hey, Ari, I'm at the front. Where are you at? Oh, I'm over here. Like we had this elaborate plan, and then we realized, yeah, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> that ain't gonna work. Uh, there's just way too much going on. There's too many moving parts. That's not gonna work. But to be able to have Darren Millard and also Ryan the Hockey Guy, Ryan Wallace in the parade, on the bus with the players, and really be able to experience it firsthand, that's, that's all I needed. I was good. Uh, I think our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, has done a phenomenal job, and I say phenomenal job, covering the Golden Knights all year long. Ryan does the pre and the post game. Usually he's at some kind of location all over town uh, doing his different shows, and he does, like I said, a great job. So for him to join us at 430, kind of putting a, a bow on the Vegas Golden Knights season and also the parade that went down uh, on Saturday from, uh, you know, down down uh, on the strip that, and it led into Toshiba Plaza. I think that would be a great way to end the show. So Ed Graney at 2.30, Theo Ash at 3, Flex from Jersey. Oh, excuse me, Shereed Williams at 3.30, Flex from Jersey at 4, and Ryan Wallace closes us out at 4.30. Of course, Raider Nation throughout the course of the show, we'll hear from you as well at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. All right, so as we jump into the opening drive here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, I wanted to extend the conversation I had on the podcast, and I just wanted to bring it to the show. 
I want to bring it to the show because I know a lot of folks have uh, their opinions, and I appreciate that. And when I was doing the, the show for Bleacher Report, we actually had some live uh, feedback, some live chat going on at the same time, and I thought that was a really cool feature. So I thought, you know what? It's about as close to the radio show as possible, so let's go ahead and, and make that happen on today's show. So I ask you, Raider Nation, simple. It's real simple. 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com, text sign is 69187, keyword r Who is it on the Raiders that you feel – are flying under the radar. Who are the underrated, uh, under the radar players for the silver and black? And then another question I have. I like to throw a couple of them out there. Uh, since Father's Day was yesterday, what would be the ultimate Raiders Father's Day gift for you? Or maybe you received the ultimate Raiders Father's Day gift uh, yesterday. If you did, if you have uh, some feedback on that, of course, uh, hit us up and let us know. But then again, like I said, the main topic for the show is who is it on the Raiders radar that you feel, or who is it on the Raiders that you feel like is flying? Under the radar. Again, 702-365-9200. And on the show yesterday, well, you know, on uh, Bleach Report and then also on the, the podcast that I did today, I had four guys. And I'm going to start with the defensive side of things. So I only had – no, I had five guys. I had four on defense and one on offense. And the reason I had five is because, well, Bleach Report asked for four or five. So I thought, okay. Uh, and I, I really thought long and hard about it. And I came up with four pretty easily on defense. And then all of a sudden I realized that there was one on offense that really – really stood out to me. So let me go ahead and start with the defense, and you can get your thoughts, and you could definitely chime in. We'd love to hear from you. Again, 69187, keyword r and That's the text line. And the Raider Nation listener line is 702-365-9200. So the first two that I had was Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr. Both guys were drafted last year by Dave Ziegler, and they didn't get a whole lot of burn. Right? A, lot, a few people have called into the show. I know I've asked Josh McDaniels, I've asked Dave Ziegler about those two guys. You know, we all look at the draft picks that they got. We look at Tyree Wilson and say, oh, man, that guy's going to help out the defensive line. Uh, Byron Young, the third-round pick out of Alabama. Uh, talk about Bilal Nichols coming back in his second year. But not a whole lot are talking about the two guys that were drafted as defensive tackles in 2022 by Dave Ziegler. Remember, he didn't have a draft pick until round three because of the Devontae Adams trade, and he went and got Dylan Parham in round three. And then rounds four and five, Defensive tackles, Neil Farrell Jr. in the fourth and Matthew Butler in the fifth. Butler played in five games. That was it. Farrell Jr. only played in six. Butler had five total tackles and a half a sack. Farrell Jr., again, played in six games, had three tackles and one and a half stuffs. And that was it. That was all their production. But from everything that we've heard from both head coach Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham, also heard from Dave Ziegler, is that those guys really worked their tails off all offseason, didn't leave the facility, but instead stuck around and continued to work on their body, work on their craft, deep dive into the playbook, and really try to get focus in on what the job and task at hand is going to be. So the first two guys I had were Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr., draft picks from 2022. And then that guy, there's that 37, cornerback Tyler Hall. Here he is again. He popped up, and again, according to Pro Football Focus, he, had, they were, he was ranked their number three overall slot corner as they have him at the top ten slot corners. He was the number three NFL passer rating allowed 58.7, but that was only on 122 slot snaps. So, again, we talked about him in great detail on Friday and what he could bring to the table and what he can do uh, if he is able to earn that slot spot. Uh, in training camp and all of a sudden be able to kick Nate Hobbs out to the outside and Hobbs is able to thrive. That's the other thing. If Tyler Hall wins that slot corner position, that's great. But then you have to hope that Nate Hobbs is able to really take advantage of the outside and be that guy, be 100% healthy, and be able to be the guy that he was in you know, small spurts 
until he got banged up in 2022. Remember, he got hurt in that week five game against Kansas City, came back later in the season, got hurt again. So he's going to have to try to put together a healthy campaign in 2023. But if he could be that guy that he was when he was out there healthy, then the Raiders could be on to something. And, you know, there's been conversations about bringing in Marcus Peters as a, a free agent. If these guys all of a sudden start to thrive, you might not need a guy like Marcus Peters. Just throwing that out there. So Tyler Hall was my other guy. And then also in the secondary, Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps was one of the first guys that the Raiders uh, signed as a, as a free agent. 70 total tackles with the Eagles last year and played the most snaps on that Eagles defense. And, you know, the Raiders are expecting him not only to bring his skill on the field, but also that leadership. That's something that I talked to him about and uh, JT talked to him about and Eric Allen talked to him about when we did the Raiders roundtable a couple weeks ago on the uh, content day there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And he was pretty excited about the opportunity and told us about studying film and the fact that when he first started in the league, he was checking out film but didn't really know what he was looking at. And now he has a really good idea of what he's looking at, what it means, how to get guys lined up, how to be in the right position to make plays. He's a guy that's still young, young enough to continue to grow, but at the same time, he's at a level where you feel pretty confident in him. So he's a veteran leader, but he's not an old veteran, if you know what I mean. So he's got an opportunity to grow with this Raiders defense. But Marcus Epps, to me, is a guy that's kind of flying under the radar because not too many people are talking about him. Remember, he was one of the first free agents that the Raiders signed. And then finally, on the offensive side of things, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby had 67 catches, 804 yards, six touchdowns in 2022. Of course, he had the snafu at Allegiant Stadium where he, he um, for some reason, just lost the moment and threw that ball backwards, uh, tried to do that lateral, and Chandler Jones picked it out of the air, took it to the house for the walk-off win against the Patriots. That was, that was his low light in uh, 2022, but he's owned up to that. He understands the moment, understands that that was a mistake, and don't think you'll see him doing anything like that again. But my point with him is he's been the number one wide receiver for a few years now. In New England, clearly the Raiders don't need him to be a number one wide receiver. All they need him to do is be the best version of him and be a really good wide receiver to compliment going across from Devontae Adams. I mean, think about this. Mac Hollins was the number two wide receiver by because there was by default, basically, in 2022. Hunter Renfro injured. Darren Waller, pass catcher, injured. So who stepped up? Mac Hollins. No disrespect to Mac. I like him as a guy. I like him as a player. I thought he brought a lot of juice to the, to the team as far as energy and just positive attitude and even leadership. But he's a special teams dude. He's not a number two wide receiver, but he put himself in that number two role because they had to. So the last couple of years, 67 catches for Jacoby Myers in 2022, 2021, 83 catches. So he's averaging around 800-something yards a season, had six TDs last year, two TDs uh, the year before that. And now you got Devontae Adams playing across from you, so you're not going to get the attention of – the best DB on the other team. You're not going to get the other defensive coordinators most attention. You're not going to get all that safety help over the top. I mean, Jacoby Myers is going to be in a position where he's going to have an opportunity to make some really big plays. And, and it's so funny when he was talking to Eric Allen, uh, you know, specifically Eric had asked him a couple of questions about getting open on that Raiders roundtable. He's like, I just get open. I just get open. Well, how do you get open? You know, I, I study film. How do you get open? I just get open. Like, he just has a calm confidence about himself where it's not too complicated. It's not some big math problem. It's not some, you know, some big science project. He just gets open. As a matter of fact, Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe, she was on uh, my show that I did on Saturday from, uh, on ESPN National, and uh, she was talking about – well, we asked her all things Patriots, and then I finally wrapped up, and I was like, hey, look, I'm here in Vegas, so I got to be selfish real quick and got to ask you about Jacoby Myers. He comes over from the Patriots. What is, uh, what is Raider Nation going to get in Jacoby Myers? Oh, Jacoby Myers is uh, – I think Troy Brown called him Mr. Reliable. 
he is Mr. Steady. He will, he's very consistent, very available. And he's not like a flashy uh, guy, even though he led the Patriots in receiving yards for three seasons. He's not like obviously a traditional number one receiver, not that the Raiders need that like the Patriots, but he, he's just very, very steady, very reliable, uh, can make tough third down catches and also just a, a great, great guy in the locker room, always down to talk. Jacoby was definitely um, one of the media's favorites here in New England. So there was Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe. I guess she was on my ESPN national show I did on Saturday, and I had to selfishly get that question in. Everyone's, hey, look, if I'm going to be on the radio, I might as well go ahead and, and make it work, right? <laughs> make it work for me. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that was Nicole, and I thought she uh, gave a nice little description of who Jacoby Myers is. So to me, he's kind of flying under the radar as a, a, a wide receiver on that Raiders offense that has the potential with a big capital P, as long as, well, we know, Jimmy G is under center. Brian Hoyer is under center. Aiden O'Connell's under center early. Well, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to put what it's going to look like. You know, I don't, I don't want to say what it'll look like because I don't know. I have no idea, right? I, I know that Brian Hoyer can go out there and play probably pretty confident for a couple games. No one has any idea what to expect from Aiden O'Connell or if he'd even be comfortable enough to go out there and play anytime soon. So really the key to the Raiders' offensive success is Jimmy G being 100% healthy, and it looks like he's trending towards being able to be ready for the beginning of training camp. So assuming, I know it's a big assumption, assuming Jimmy's out there, I think, I think that uh, Jacoby Myers is going to be a great addition for that Raiders offense. So uh, throwing it out there to you, we'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Definitely want to know who you think are Raiders that are flying under the radar. And if you have anything else that you'd like to chime in, uh, any part of the show, you could do that as well. It's the same number, 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. Like this one from the 816, Michael in Kansas City, formerly of San Jose. He said, James Trapp. Raider legend. Wasn't he the guy who left the sideline while on street clothes to fight another player? Love you in the show, Q. Keep up the great work. That's Michael and KC, formerly in San Jose. Yes, sir. That's that James Trapp. And that's how – and I don't know if there was another 37 in between James Trapp and Tyler Hall. And if there was, I just don't remember him. But it's so funny that that's the name that stands out to me when I think of 37. Whenever I see that number associated with the Raiders, that's all I think of is James Trapp. I'm sure other guys had number 37 that were probably pretty predominant names. I'm just not remembering them right now. For some reason, James Trapp always stands out to me in a major way. So uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Michael. I do appreciate you. And as I mentioned, would love to hear from you and get your feedback on guys that are flying under the radar. I had a guy hit me up during this Bleacher Report uh, live stream that I was doing, and he said Tyree Wilson. And – I just was like, no. Like, I was trying to be as respectful as possible, but I was like, no. He's not flying under the radar. How in the hell is your first-round pick, number seven overall, under the radar at all? He ain't under the rock. He ain't under the radar. He ain't under an umbrella. He ain't under nothing. Like, he's a guy that's front and center. He's tasked with, with really being a big-time difference maker. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the best player that the Raiders drafted, but when you're – Drafted in the first round in top 10, you're expected to be a dude and expected to be a dude right away. So I don't think there's any radar he's flying under, right? I mean, I feel like that that's a guy that is front and center. Like, he's got to 
go out there and, and make a difference and, and be somebody. And the sooner that he's able to get out there, the better. Of course, he's coming back from that foot uh, surgery that he had that ended his last year there at Texas Tech. But I in no means think that he could potentially fly under the radar. You know, even looking at some other draft picks, Michael Mayer, I mean, sky's the limit for him, right? The expectations are high for him. So I, I didn't see – I didn't see him as a guy flying under the radar. Uh, maybe Byron Young, the third-round pick out of Alabama. I've been talking about him a lot, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's a household name that everybody knows. I, for anyone who's listened to me more than today, understands that I'm a big Alabama football fan, right? Not because I have any ties. Let's not get it twisted. I have no ties to Alabama football. I just enjoy watching them. So I know who Byron Young is, and I know that he had a really good year last year. He took advantage of the COVID year, got some extra burn in college, and was able to not only what he does best, which is stuff to run, but he was able to get to the quarterback his, his last year as well with, uh, what, five sacks he, he had, something like that, around that number. So, I mean, he's, he's showing production on being able to get to the quarterback, which is a good thing. So maybe he's flying under some people's radar, but for me, he's not. Fourth round pick, Jacorian Bennett. Uh, I don't think he's flying under the radar just because he's a cornerback, and he was the first cornerback that the Raiders took, and I think everyone, including myself, expected them to address the cornerback position a lot earlier than the fourth round. So I think everyone's looking at Ja'Cory and Bennett like, hey, dude, you better step up. <laughs> you better make it happen, right? I mean, because there's, there's a lot of expectations uh, for that defense to start to make plays, especially Ja'Cory and Bennett. I'm excited about him because he he's creates turnovers. Right, he had five interceptions the last two seasons for uh, for Maryland. Had 27 pass breakups. So that I'm looking at that and saying, okay, I'm hoping he gets his hands on the ball. I hope he's got some stick him. I hope he's got something. He gets his hands on the ball for the silver and black because they need to get turnovers created in the worst way. So I, I really looked at all these draft picks and was like, I don't really see them as flying under the radar. Uh, oh yeah, geez, uh, we got a great text <laughs> here. Uh, my bad. Q, you're on vacation mode. The greatest number 37 was Lester, Blake, and Hayes. Enjoy Hawaii. Yes, you are absolutely right. How could I forget that? Somewhere Vegas Jess is angry at me. <laughs> that's Vegas's. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why 37 is stuck in my head because that's Vegas Jess's number. How could I forget that? Jeez, thank you so much. I appreciate you. That's a good one. Man, I don't know how. I don't know how I, uh, I, I, I forgot that. How in the Man, we ought to call Lester right now and apologize. <laughs> All right, you need to get Lester on the phone so we can apologize. I can't believe I totally forgot and blanked on Lester freaking Hayes. That's unbelievable. My bad. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not on vacation mode yet because I've actually said it, I don't know, like four times, four or five times in the last few shows, even going back to Friday when we were at the Sahara Las Vegas, I even said uh, James Trapp was the first name that, that stuck out to me. Maybe because I saw James Trapp play a lot. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe because I didn't see Lester Hayes play a whole lot, even though he's a friend of the show. I should, I should not forget because he's definitely a friend of the show. So thank you for that text. Was I do appreciate you. <laughs> That's good stuff. What would you say, Ari? I said was a friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for real. Uh, Raider Mike from Colorado said, Q, remember Chris Johnson on that 08 through 11 Raiders team was also 37, but he was just a guy, although he did have eight career interceptions with us. That's true. Chris Johnson was a good player too. So there you go. There's a few 37s in there, but no better than Lester Hayes. I need to, man, I need to, I need to take a break and go call Lester and apologize. He'll be like, Q, stay low. Stay low. By the way, what are you apologizing for? I'll be like, don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Just know that I, <laughs> I was disrespectful. My bad. But uh, thank you so much for those texts. I do appreciate them. Keep those texts coming, 69187, keyword R&R. &R. When we don't have a guest, you can always chime in at 702-365-9200. Who is it that is flying for you under the radar as far as the silver and black is concerned? Let us know about it. Coming up next, Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. coaching staff, to the players, uh, I think as a whole, we thank you guys for being the best fans in the world. Um, doesn't get any better than this, man. Uh, on Tuesday night when we were rolling, uh, it brought tears to the guys' eyes and on the bench. We knew we were going to win no matter what it took. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Right there, you heard a very excited Mark Stone right there with the parade, his speech, celebrating as he should, as all the Golden Knights earn the right to have that celebration and feel good about themselves and maybe have a few beverages to make themselves feel a little bit better. Joining us now on the phone lines from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and also the Las Vegas Review Journal's our good friend Ed Graney. And, Ed, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you as always. And you were there, man, from beginning to end. You were riding the Golden Knights as far as the whole playoff ride went, and it ended in a parade on Saturday, ended up in Toshiba Plaza. It looked like a New Year's Eve celebration. Man, what was the whole journey like, man? What did it feel like for you, and, and how awesome was that parade on Saturday? Um, you know, we, we did these uh, vignettes for the paper on our memories of covering the whole run, and we had a lot of cool ones in there about traveling, crazy stuff that happens on the road. But one of mine was just uh, just the talent level, because um, I covered the one in seventeen eighteen that run to the Stanley Cup final. They were a really good team, but, but it's like uh, Kelly McCrimmon, the GM, said they thought they caught lightning in a bottle that year, even though they had a lot of good players. This was just about a talented team and rolling four lines and having the best blue line in hockey, just having so much talent that, you know, they were just better than whoever they played in the playoffs. So it was a different run this time, um, kind of following them and then uh, watching them never facing an elimination game, um, dominating some of their games and their performances and, you know, getting Aiden Hill to play like that in goal, which was um, totally memorable in terms of following that team. And then the parade, um, I was just telling Ari there was a long time waiting. I got there, had to get there for the early parking queue, and that was at about two two fifty three o'clock, and the thing didn't roll around until nine o'clock. So that was a that was a lot of bottled water in between there um, because of that long wait. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was I, I covered the Aces Parade and the uh, Knights Parade, and obviously they were different in scope. But you know, watching teams celebrate is a cool thing. Watching them celebrate a championship and. Uh, William Carlson did us all well the other night. He was a uh, he was a legend the other night uh, with his speech and um, how happy he was. Let's say he was very happy. Yeah, yeah, happy is a great way to put the way yeah. he was. And look, all the Golden Knights were happy, and they all deserved to be happy for everything that they were able to do and accomplish. And Ed, even more than accomplishing what they did on the ice is what they accomplished in the community. And that was the first thing that was mentioned by Bill Foley when he took the stage, and I thought that that was great. And the honor that they showed to uh, the, the fallen ones from uh, 1 October, I thought that that was special, the way that they did that. What did this mean? What did this whole – everything mean for the community here in vegas well that's one of the really uh, impressive things about the golden knights they've never forgotten the past and i know it's only been six years and i know where i was uh when i heard about the shooting at first i believe if i'm not mistaken i might have been in denver with the raiders mm. um i gotta think back but i'm pretty sure i was in denver and someone called and said you know there's been a shooting uh in las vegas and michael gelkin who was covering the raiders as our beat writer at the time we got on the phone and i said i think there's been a shooting 
Uh, and then we learned about what happened and um, I think came home the next day. And then obviously every, everything that had happened happened and it was, uh, it was just tragic. And they've never forgotten how they got into the community. They've never forgotten, you know, the, the bond they made with that town uh, in terms of being at blood banks, being at, you know, hospitals. And these guys, you know, you know, I've talked about it. These guys were new to the town. Like, didn't really know anybody. They knew they were coming to Vegas to play hockey. Um, it was a desert market. They didn't know how the market would respond to a team in the desert. Um, so they were all new to Vegas, too. But Bill Foley told them, you know, you're going to be part of the community, and this is a time where we have to integrate ourselves in the community. So I've always been impressed that they've never forgotten. Um, I talked to a few people that prayed. One woman who was at the, you know, who was at the Route 91 Festival, um, the shooting started. And she had almost started to leave and started to run back in when the shooting started to get her sister. And they said, you can't go back in. you got to run. And she just turned and ran, not knowing if her sister was okay. Wow. Turned out, fortunately for them, her sister was okay, and she got out. But the Golden Knights um, have never forgotten. I thought by bringing that in the other night, at least to start the, the festivities, was really important because how much they meant to the community and how much this, you know, their, their time here has meant to the community in that sense of healing. Um, and then they got on with the partying. But I thought with, you know, with Bill Foley, George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, and even those players, uh, especially the Misfits that are still there, um, they've never forgotten, you know, what, what that was about and, and really kind of why they're so integrated in this community. Yeah, that was big. It really was. I thought that they started that whole little speech session and everything. I thought they, they did it uh, perfectly. And I remember uh, where I was when I, when I heard about that shooting. It's crazy. I was in Texas, and I know that my mom doesn't go down to music festivals. Like, I know this, right? You know this. But at the right. same time, the first thing I thought was like, hey, is my mom okay? Right? I right. mean, knowing that she's not there, right? Because that's not what she does. She stays at the house. But the first thing I thought of was like, oh, no. It's like – Ed, when that moment hits and you hear about something that's close to home, it doesn't matter if it's something that, you know, a family member would normally attend or not. You immediately are – you hit that panic button like, is my family okay? Are my friends okay? Yeah, I did the same thing. I called my wife, and she had uh, – you know, it was on the news, and she would heard about it, and um, she was at our house with our kids. And, uh, yeah, that's the first thing you think about um, when, when something like that happens in your town. And, you know, then it becomes, you know – who. Who might you have known that was there? Mm. And then you realize you did know people who were there, and they, they got out, and you know, then they had stories to tell about what it was like uh, and kind of the terror of being there when it was happening. Um, so, yeah, something people will never forget. And the Golden Knights, uh, like I said, uh, to have that banner there the other night that they have hanging in the arena, but they brought it out to hang up there to uh, remember the 58. Um, was just, it was just typical Golden Knights. They've done an incredible job not forgetting that moment and not forgetting, you know, how that town kind of embraced them because of what they did. And final question, when it comes to the Golden Knights and the parade, I thought, and again, I, I saw it at home. I was watching on TV. I wasn't down there like you were down there early and having to uh, soak all that in. I thought that the city of Las Vegas did a fantastic job. And for the most part, I didn't hear about really any drama that, that happened. No. And I'll tell you what, the, uh, the Metro police was out in force, um, Every type of law enforcement you can think of was there. Uh, we did witness one fight. It was pretty funny. A couple older guys put their dukes up and tried to, uh, you know, uh, slap each other. Um, and the police were on it in two seconds, um, which we kind of laughed at because it was late into the festivities before the, uh, before the Golden Knights arrived. And I'm like, man, you're going to sit here for this many hours drinking some water, and now you're going to get thrown out? Right. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Uh, because there, you know, I think I saw one swing and then it was just over. It was just, it was not really a fight. Like I said, uh, Nick Cade would have been embarrassed for both of them. Uh, it would not have been, uh, he, he would have been embarrassed just watching that fight. So, um, 
Yeah, it, they did a, a major job having a presence, and I think when you have that presence, it kind of deters anything from happening. And they were they were everywhere. Um, the police was everywhere, and I, I think that brought a calm to it. You know that nothing was going to happen. And um, yeah, it was uh, very calm for that many people in that area. Yeah, you know, Toshiba Plaza, you can uh, you can get about fourteen thousand in there, and there were all of fourteen thousand. I mean, you could barely move. I'm sure we were up on a riser watching it. And um, it was it was it was crazy in the scope of it, but it wasn't crazy in how people acted. And they were all, you know, there to celebrate, um, there to have fun, uh, take their pictures of you know the t- the players when they came out, and really kind of integrate themselves with the players, uh, and you know lifting the players lifting the cup and all the speeches and everything. So it was a good time. Again, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review Journal is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So I'm assuming next, and maybe this is a bad assumption, I'm assuming next for you are, are the Raiders who get to camp in about six weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Knights will have a few more things going on with their right. exit interviews and if they ever get around to that with the partying. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll have to talk to the guys then um, about uh, what's next. And I think, you know, for most of them, or for all of them, actually, what I'm saying, for all of them, next is uh, when they get their day with the cup. Um, so that's always cool, where they bring the cup, what they do with it. Um, you know, uh, I always think they love that because most of them bring them back to their hometown um, and, and share it with the people. So other than that, uh, you know, we'll have a few more things with the Golden Knights, I'm sure, and then, uh, and then on to the Raiders. Yeah, then it'll be full throttle with the silver and black, and I don't know how much you've sat down and thought about the Raiders and the potential of what they could do coming up in training camp. Is there any kind of a storyline? Is there any kind of player that you're you're trying to kind of focus in on and, and, and want to see what they do for training camp? You know, we were talking about this in the show this morning, um, and we brought up uh, Zamir White, um, mm-hmm. and Tyler had done some research. Uh, in 2022, he had 17 carries, and, you know, I think Josh Jacobs will be back. I think they'll get that worked out. But it will be interesting to me how many more carries Amir Whites get this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, they did draft him, and I think eventually you have to see kind of what he has, right? I mean, you have to eventually put him in a position to see what you have there. So I'm kind of interested in Zamir White to see, you know, what they do with him in camp. Um, I think that would be interesting. I know Kennedy Pola had a, uh, had a quote about when he gets his opportunity, he'll be prepared and ready to do some good things. Well, um, are they going to give him the opportunity? You know, and if they do, you know, what's he going to look like? Because um, I do think Jacobs will get – I do think that isn't going to work out one way or the other, um, whether he signs a tag or, or they give him something long-term. I think one it's going to go one way or the other. So he'll be the guy. But, you know, let's see what Zamir White's going to get and what's he going to do. You know, I had a guy text in on our on our com text line and ask about Josh Jacobs in preseason. Remember, he played in the Hall of Fame game. Well, the Raiders don't have four preseason games this year. They only have three. Do you expect – Josh Jacobs to get any kind of burn in preseason like he did a season ago? Maybe a little, but not as much. Because I don't think they thought last year he was going to do what he was going to do. Right. I don't. I mean, and who did? I mean, no, no one sat here. None of us sat here and said he's going to lead the league in rushing. Right. Um, so once he did that, maybe uh, it was a surprise to everyone. Um, and maybe that's, like you said, why he got his time early on. But now that he did, and he's a year older, I don't know what the point would be to give him a lot of that. I'd give it to people like Zamir White. I'd like to see you know mm-hmm. them give him a lot of carries in the preseason and see what he can do. Um, I, you know, you tell me. I, I don't know what the point is of running Josh Jacobs in the preseason. Right, right. I, I don't. I don't have any idea. I, I mean, last year I understand what Josh McDaniel said, where he said he wanted to kind of callous him up a little bit and get him right. some of some of the attention that he can't do in in practice and in training camp. But like you said, I mean, Josh Jacobs clearly doesn't need that. He's already proven no. who he is. 
Yeah, led the league in rushing. So um, I don't think there's much else he can do to prove himself. And, you know, again, uh, I for their sake, you want it to get done, um, you know, quickly. Um, you don't want anything hanging over them. They're trying to improve this year. They're trying to get a better record. They're trying to get, you know, everything off on a good, on a good run here. And you don't want things hanging over their heads like a starting running back and what they're going to do with him or what he's going to do. So I think everyone's hope on that side of things is that it gets done and that he can get in. And uh, when camp starts, and, and, you know, kind of try to follow up last year. And I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you saw this piece, but uh, there was a piece that was put out uh, by the AP, and I believe the Review Journal ran it as well, on Derek Carr saying that the Raiders didn't get the, the best of him in 2022. And I'm not by any means trying to bash Derek Carr. I know he did everything he could for the, for the team for the whole career. But what, if you did see that piece, what did you make of it? What did you feel that, that he was saying, the overall message he was sending? Well, the personal stuff, we don't know about what he was talking about. Right. Um, so I, I can't tell him that. I have no clue what he's talking about. Was he talking about something in his life, something at home, something in the team? I, I, I have no idea because he didn't expound on that. Right. Um, a lot of times, to me, when guys reach new places, this is the kind of story you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they talk out about what happened at their last stop. I don't know if he meant that, you know, it was Josh McDaniel's system and he didn't pick it up or he thinks he could have done better or the communication wasn't as great. But I'm not surprised the story came out because usually these are the stories you get when people move on. Right. Um, and you, then you try and to sit here deciphering what did he mean, what did he say, and it's almost impossible. Um, so I read it and I just came away with, well, you know, that happens a lot when guys leave. Um, they have things to say at that point that they wouldn't say when they were here. Um, but I didn't walk away really understanding everything he meant. Right. No, and it's it's funny. We talked about it, and I just talked about it for one show and called it a day, broke away from it. But, one, Derek was always the guy that, you know, apologized and, and took all the blame anyway. But, you know, it did seem like that he was – I think the words he used was spread a little thin. So, to me, like you said, there was clearly stuff going on off the field as well that wasn't right. just football-related, which, again, is not our business. Uh, you know, whatever it is, I hope it worked out fine for him. But uh, those kind of things happen. So, I just yeah. found it to be interesting, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you, you want him to go on and have success. And mm-hmm. like you said, he uh, – you know, he, he took the blame after losses and, you know, had the one really emotional day. And, you know, I mean, it's uh, – I don't want the guy to fail. I mean, you know, right. you, you know, you want the guy to go on and, and have success and, you know, be a good quarterback uh, and uh, move on. Um, and I think, you know, after that story, that's kind of what you really want. It's just, you know, it's time for you to move on. Right, exactly. That's exactly what it was. So uh, good stuff right there. Uh, Ed, what are you working on? I know your piece is out, Night's Parade, One to Relish and One to Remember. Uh, that's out on the Review Journal right now. What else are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, just kind of trying to finish up the Golden Knights, like we said. Um, you know, see see what else there might be out there in terms of these guys and their and their cup and uh, having the cup and their, you know, when the, what they say in the exit interviews in terms of what's next for them. I know Bruce Cassidy said back-to-back. Uh, it's really, it's really soon for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, kind of get their thoughts. And then, uh, like you said, kind of, uh, glance my way towards the Raiders. There you go. Well, I know you'll do a fantastic job. You always do. Ed, I definitely you, appreciate you. Enjoy your rest of your day, my man. You too. Take care of yourself, Q. Yes, sir. There he goes. Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. Also, the Las Vegas Review Journal does a great job with both. Definitely appreciate him. And, again, you can check out his piece if you want to read up on the Knights Parade. It says, Knights Parade, one to relish and remember. You can check it out on the Las Vegas Review Journal. 69187, keyword R&R. That's our Text line. Our phone line is 702-365-9200. Who is it on the Raiders roster right now that you feel like is flying under 
the radar? That's the question I'm asking. And also, what would be the ultimate Raiders Father's Day gift? Maybe you got one yesterday. Maybe you'd like to get one in the future. Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We'll let that ride for a minute. My man Ari dug deep into the crates for that one. Celebrate Juneteenth. Some people have today off. And if you do, enjoy the day off. Understand what it stands for. I always say that. No matter what days we have off, always remember what it means. Why we have the day off. If we have the day off, we do not. But that's okay. We don't take very many days off around here. Except for... Except for I will be on vacation starting tomorrow. So I guess you could throw that statement out the window about don't take very many days off. But you know what, damn it, I ain't gone on vacation since last year. So I, you know what, I don't take it's very many days off. the one time. Yeah, exactly. You're wrong about that. <laughs> no, last year we went on vacation in May. It is late June, so I think I'm due, right? I, I, there's one thing you can count on this radio station is me being at work, right? There's one thing you oh, yeah. count on. So me starting vacation next week, I'll be off until the following, what, Tuesday, 28th. Well, whatever the 28th is was when I'll be back on the radio. But uh, tomorrow, uh, John Von Tobel, JVT, he's going to be holding it down. Uh, he's going to hold it down for a couple days. Uh, he's from VEASAN, does a great job also on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, on Cofield and Company. And then, and then the real experiment's going to hit. Then the real experiment's going to hit some version of, and not exclusive to, Damon, Jared, and Danny – are going to hold down the last few days. Why do you laugh, Ari? Because the three of them together, you're not going to believe this, are like hilarious to me. Um, they're hilarious maybe to me, not too. In the office. Off the radio, they're Ow. hilarious to me. Off the radio, I haven't heard them all together as a collective on the radio. It will be organized chaos. But they're all it, really good dudes. Oh, yeah. They all have good personalities, and they're all going to have an opportunity at a three-hour show that means the world to me. So no pressure. <laughs> No pressure. That's what I got to come into every day, the three hours of that. No pressure. Just saying. So that's what's going to happen over the course of, well, my vacation. Also in between, I believe on Wednesday we'll have uh, an Aces game tipping off at noon. So you won't hear JT's show, and you'll only get about two hours of unnecessary roughness as well. So we got a lot going on in in the meantime, in between time. But we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it do what it do. And I'm sure that everyone's going to do a really good job holding it down. And I'll tell you right now. As I did last year, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get on that bird, and I'm going to leave my computer at home. I'm going to leave every kind of broadcast equipment I have at home so I cannot and I will not be working. That's the one Good. thing I will not be doing. I may every once in a while actually accidentally walk into my email because it pops up on our phones, but that's really it. I'm going to do the very least. I'm going to go out and get outside of my, my system or my, my usual. I'm going to go get in the water. I'm going to snorkel a little something, something, knowing I don't swim. <laughs> I'm going to go get on the ATV knowing that I don't bike, right? <laughs> I'm going to do a lot of things that I don't normally do just because I don't normally do it, and I'm on vacation, so, hell, why not do it? That's exactly what I'm going to do. So we do want to hear from you, though, throughout the course of the show. We do have Theo Ash from the Stay Hot podcast coming up at the top of the hour talking all things Tyler Hall. But I do want to hear from you on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And when we don't have a guest, you could always chime in on the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Who is it that's on the Raiders' radar that you feel like is flying under the radar? Players, 
and coaches as well. That's a little bit of a tease because I saw a text that has a coach mentioned. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll do it on the flip side, starting off with Theo Ash, Stay Hot Pod. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.